Albert Einstein once said, Learn from yesterday, live for today, hope for tomorrow. The important thing is to not stop questioning. So, what if every time we started to invent something, we asked, how would nature solve this? This is the question we'll be asking as we begin a quest into an engineering branch of science called biomimicry. So what is biomimicry? Well, bio is a Greek root word meaning life, and mimic is to imitate or copy in action. So biomimicry is all about imitating life. The Biomimicry Institute defines biomimicry as a practice that learns from and mimics the strategies found in nature to solve human design challenges. Albert Einstein again once said, look deep into nature and then you will understand everything better. Well, our planet Earth today faces many environmental challenges today. By 2025, two-thirds of the world's population may face water shortages. Pollution caused by industry and motor vehicle exhaust fill our air, our water, our soil. Greenhouse gas emissions have caused a warming of Earth's oceans and surface temperatures, causing natural disasters like floods, melting of the polar ice caps, rising sea levels, hurricanes, wildfires, droughts, excessive snow, desertification. The huge production of unsustainable waste is a huge major threat to the environment. According to the EPA, the average person produces almost six pounds of trash a day. And only about a pound and a half of that trash is recycled. The rest is just thrown away. So that leads us to another problem. Where does it all go? What happens when we run out of space? What is all of this trash doing to the earth and the environment? Well, we're going to take a closer look at the environmental changes that we face in our future quest together. These are just a few of the challenges that scientists and engineers all over the world seek to solve by lurking, looking to nature for the answers. Can we do it? Yes, we can. Nature has the answers. We just need to find them. Janine Benyas at the Biomimicry Institute has identified what she terms as laws of nature. So we're going to look at a few of those ways in which scientists and engineers are working together to make our Earth a more sustainable place in which to live by looking at those few laws and exploring ways to change our world. If we look at the first law, one of the laws she says is that nature depends on the sun for power. Well, plants depend on sunlight to grow. Animals, humans, they need plants for food. Without heat from the sun, our whole earth would freeze. Without the sun, there's no wind, no ocean currents, no clouds to transport water. In essence, without the sun, there would be no life. So how do we imitate this law in nature? 
Well, one of the ways we've looked at is developing solar panels to harness the sun's power. If we look at a couple of innovations, um, they have solar panels that are inspired by leaves and powered by photosynthesis. These solar panels are created by MIT and they actually imitate the curves and the veins on leaves, producing 47% more electricity than traditional rigid panels. They're tougher, they're more flexible, and they can actually repair themselves. That's amazing. And then we've used moth eyes. That's right, moth eyes to inspire solar efficiency. If you were to look closely at the surface of a moth's cornea, you'll see that it's comprised of these tiny protruding bumps. And these bumps exist to keep moths safe from predators by preventing light from reflecting in their eyes and betraying their presence. In essence, the moth's eyes are naturally anti-reflective. Well, we have developed anti-reflective coatings inspired by the moth eyes to help boost the efficiency of solar panels um, and solar cells and allowing that anti-reflective coating to help the solar cells to collect as much of the sun's light as possible, boosting the power outlet. So there we go, inspirations, innovations inspired by nature. Nature upcycles everything. This is another law that Janine Benyus has pointed out. Um, Scientists claim that the water that we drink today contains almost 100% dinosaurs pee. That's right, 100%. (laughs) Uh, Valuable elements. There's another cycle that goes where valuable elements like carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, phosphorus, nitrogen, those are all elements that are essential to life, and they have to be recycled in order for life to exist on the earth. So we've looked at these, how the earth recycles and upcycles. And now we have developed this cement that actually captures carbon dioxide. Usually cement produces as much CO2 pollution as much as the cement you produce. So for every ton of cement we produce, we actually release that much CO2 into the atmosphere. Whereas this particular cement developed by a company called Blue Planet, actually takes the carbon dioxide and uses the waste to create the concrete. Amazing. Another one, this company called New Lights is actually using methane, which is another pollutant, and they create plastic out of it. And they're actually, it's called air carbon, and they use it to create packaging pellets and Furniture. How cool would it be to have furniture in our classroom made from methane? Awesome. And nature is self-cleaning. So instead of using hard chemical cleaning agents that produce all kinds of pollutants into the air, um, we've looked at how nature cleans itself. Shark scales are one example. Uh, we've studied sharks and and how barnacles and hitchhikers, they can't grab a hold of the shark. Um, also, bacteria cannot grab a hold of the shark's skin because of these little microscopic riblets that it has on its body. Uh, 
how about a butterfly's wings? It has these tiny shingle-like scales that have an orderly arrangement of microgrooves and bumps that are invisible to the human eye. And this feature reduces in-flight drag and stops rainwater from pooling anywhere in the surface. And thus it prevents the buildup of debris and contaminants. The leaves of the lotus plant have hydrophobic microscale bumps that allow it to stay dirt free. So some of the innovations that we've looked at uh, using the lotus, we've actually created uh, surfaces surface finishes that are self-cleaning, that have been applied to paints, glass, textiles, and more. And it reduces the need for chemical detergents and costly labor. Um, Looking at the shark skin, shark skin is actually saving lives. Uh, The bacterial resistant properties of the shark skin has made its way into medical devices and into hospitals. Bacteria is like behind 1.7 million hospital-acquired infections contracted each year in the, in the United States. Compared with other marine creatures, sharks maintain smooth and unblemished skin. So we've used that and we've actually developed uh, a company called Sharklet has developed this technology and you can see the surface there in the picture, how we've imitated the shark skin, and it actually repels bacteria. And they put it on all these high contact surfaces, reducing uh, the, it helps to prevent the microorganisms from colonizing and then growing on those surfaces. Another law is that nature creates color through structure. It's amazing to think that a hummingbird's wings actually are iridescent. They don't have any color in them. And yet, look at them. They're so beautiful in their bright colors. Well, it, they get it not from pigment, but from the way that the light reflects off their feathers. They have these microscopic pancake-like structures that are packed with air bubbles. And they reflect light much with the same effect that you look at soap bubbles or oil slicks and seashells that have that rainbow glow. Another one is the morpho butterfly. Uh, They just have a brown pigment. But what gives them their blue color, again, are these little nanostructures in their wings that reflect and refract light. So we have looked at that. And we actually have now a counterfeiting money technology developed from the Morpho Butterfly. And it's a project called Notes. And it's from researchers at the Simon Fraser University. They've studied the butterfly wings and they created this nanoscale technology that is a light interfering uh, structure to create an anti-counterfeiting stamp. And it's a lot more difficult to create than a hologram. Can be printed on banknotes, but it can be printed on all kinds of uh, different things. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Nature depends on and rewards cooperation. That's another law. Uh, You look at the bees. You know, bees are in constant communication. When they find a food source, they actually come back to the colony and they do this dance. They call it, we call it the waggle dance. 
They keep each other warm. They keep each other cool. They care for the sick. If you look at ants, they cooperate together to dig nests, form rafts and bridges, sow leaves together, form other insects, uh, farm other insects for food. So some scientists say that a colony of ants act like one single animal. So we've actually been inspired by uh, bees and ants and have Region is a company that has created um, a network of sensors that are now placed on appliances and businesses. They call it Swarm Logic, and it's a building automation system. It saves up to 20% in energy out, out, output. Um, another one, they've used schooling fish. You've heard of fish swimming in schools. Well, Caltech actually studied schooling fish, and then they applied the hydrodynamics of how the fish save energy by swimming in schools to the aerodynamics of wind turbines in a wind farm. And they placed the vertical rotor wind turbines closer together in a very specific pattern based on the schooling fish, and it resulted in greater energy output. And then the last one that we're going to look at is that nature uses shape to determine function. So rather than material or energy, they actually use their shape to help them do what they need to do. A Venus flytrap you know, has these rounded leaves that actually snap shut when an insect triggers the hairs that are inside the leaves. How about a cat's tongue? If you've ever been licked by a cat's tongue, you can feel those barbs. Well, they're there to help the cat um, take the meat from the bones of its prey. Uh, it's also very good for grooming, keeping it clean, which is very important for its health. The stenochera beetle actually uses bumps on its thorax on the body surface to collect morning dew, uh, or if it's near the ocean, ocean fog, to get the water they need. It just kind of drips right down into their mouth. So we've actually looked at those and we actually have a water bottle now called a, a dew bank bottle. And it's based on the stenochera beetle and how the stenochera beetle uses those bumps to collect in the grooves. And the water bottle does the same. You put it out um, and it stays overnight collecting the dew. And in the morning, you've got a cup of water. It's very cool. Then another one, we've looked at um, the Shinkansen train in Japan. A very famous bullet train. And it used to make a loud boom when it would exit through the tunnels. But this engineer was also a fisherman. And he watched how the kingfisher bird entered into the water, hardly making a ripple coming up with a fish. So... Inspired by that, they redesigned the nose of the Shinkansen bullet train to emulate the, the kingfisher beak. And voila, no more sonic boom. So then they thought, why stop here? They also used the owl's wings. Owls fly silently. As large of a bird as they are, you do not hear them fly. And it's because of these vortices that are serrated edges on, on their wings. So they used the, this same technology and 
put these vortices into the chassis, into the pantograph of the main part of the train, and it created less noise, also increased energy output of the train. And then they used the Adelie penguin's body. They would watch it, how it just swims and slides effortlessly. So they redesigned the lower shaft of the train and resulting in less sound and greater speeds. Three birds in one uh, create the Shinkansen bullet train. Another one are whale flippers and power wind turbines. Uh, Looking at how large whales are and yet how graceful they are in the water, um, scientists wondered how they do it. How do whales swim so smoothly through it? And they noticed these serrated edges, almost like a knife's edge on the edge of the fins. And so then they thought, well, if it helps the whale to swim, let's put it on our wind turbine. Sure enough, once we used these serrated edges on the wind turbines, it increased, um, reduces drag by 32%, 8% improvement in lift, and 40% increase in the angle. Um, So we've basically improved the output of the wind turbines. Now they're putting it on, you know, huge um, fans within industries and all kinds of computer fans. These serrated edges are everywhere, even on helicopters. Uh, Military helicopters are now using it to create greater maneuverability. And then we go to the termite. There is a shopping center in Zimbabwe that actually borrows termite technology. If you look at these termite mounds, um, they can be built as high as 29 feet. Wow. And termites have to keep the inside of their termite mound at exactly 87 degrees because they grow this fungus that keeps them alive. And yet they're in the desert which can go up to 104 degrees during the day and all the way down to, you know, 35 degrees at night. So how do they keep the internal interior of their termite mound exactly at 87%? Well, the, the engineers, the scientists studied it, and they found that the termites have this system of opening and closing a series of heating and cooling vents throughout their mound over the course of the day. And with a system of carefully adjusted convection currents, air is sucked in at the lower part of the mound, down into enclosures with muddy walls, and then up through a channel to the peak of the termite mound. And those industrious termites constantly dig new vents plug up old ones in order to regulate the temp- the temperature. So the Zimbabwe shopping center does not have any central air, does not have any central heating. They do it all through these vents, just like the termites. So that summarizes up our introduction to biomimicry. We will continue our study next time. Signing off, this is Mrs. Segler.